The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. Well, I'm Lillianne Krigler, and I've just had a wonderful podcast interview with John North from Evolvepreneur. It was great fun talking with John this morning about my wishes and dreams for my new business, Krigler Education, and learning on the fly all the steps that I need to put in place to create this into a thriving business in the future. So the journey to a solopreneur is what we were working on and I really appreciated working with John and I honestly encourage you to have a go and spend some time with John yourself. You're listening to the Volpreneur Secrets Show for Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, John North, and my mission is to help entrepreneurs make a difference and navigate the messy world of startup and launch and regrowth. And today we've actually got something from startups. So welcome, Lillianne, to the show. Um, really a pleasure having you. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. Cool. Um, yeah. No worries. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, fumble through your bio. <laughs> That's what I normally do. So, and then we'll we'll get into it. So, you're a founder of, of Kugula. I can't know this kind of stuff. Is that Kugula Education? She's a consultant, speaker, and award-winning author of two books, Edo, Edo Chameleon, and for teachers and roots for wings for parents and child and family advocate who believes in education transforms lives. So, that's a nice short buy. That's good work. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yes, it's it's pretty much my second career. We're talking about. Mm. I have been in education all my life in different areas. But uh, during COVID, I decided that it was time to write that book that's been in my head and ended mm. up writing two. Nice. And uh, yeah, so here we are. <laughs> nice. And I think that's the thing is that um, I thought a lot that lot more that would happen through COVID, that people would do stuff. And it's funny that a lot of people, um, I guess, fear or whatever, they didn't do anything. And they just got scared and they didn't think about, you know, let's do something for this time or anything like that. It was just like, you know, I'm just going to sit there and worry about it and listen to the news. So good on you for actually doing something. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah. So um, was the decision COVID related? Do you think it was like something that just sort of happened and it was sort of like right timing? Do you, were you sort of thinking about going into your own business or were you sort of like, did it push you in a point of no, like you had no choice? Well, even when I wrote the book, I hadn't really planned to start a business as such. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the company that I worked with, uh, Ultimate 48-hour author, uh -huh. and the CEO is, is Natasha Denman. Mm -hmm. And right at the beginning, even on our very first half-day Facebook, Facebook uh, webinar, she said, it's not about the book. 
-hmm. It's about who you become after the book. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But they they take you through a lot of hoops when you are writing the book and afterwards. And part of that is to develop an author platform Mm. and also to build your social network and your social, um, well, your social persona. Mm. And out of that has grown this desire to create Cridler education Mm-hmm. And part of it is to consult with teachers, obviously, which I've been doing all my life. But the other part is to really engage with parents and families mm-hmm. using the same education and same knowledge base that I've developed over, I'm not going to tell you how many decades <laughs> <laughs> as an educator. <laughs> yeah, you don't often want to cover the number, but yeah, it's funny. Um, it's funny about the author stuff because when we do books with people, what we find is that the book can be a business plan. And, and so what happens is that after they don't think about after the book. And, and if you don't think about before that, beforehand, actually think about what the book's going to be about and, and what's going to happen with the book and all that sort of stuff, it becomes a disconnect. And then you're trying to sell something that actually isn't what you wanted. And so that's good that you've actually used that process to actually get it right in the first place because a lot of people don't. They tend to write a book that they think people want and they don't really wrap a business around it. So it basically becomes the book that they can't actually get anybody to buy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, well, I mean, self-publishing your book in any event is a risk because the one joy of that is you know you're going to get to the end that that book will be published and it will be available, but then who's going to distribute it? And I think that's the point where you have to take responsibility yourself and that is what uh, encourages you and forces you, in a sense, to build your platform and to start to think about what are the things that people out in the marketplace might be needing and how you can serve people um, to to improve to either improve the education of students within programs in you know my specialties in the early years so working with those teachers my other specialization is in thinking skills so I'm a certified coach mm-hmm. with uh, the Feuerstein Institute in Jerusalem and let me tell you good thinking <laughs> is at the basis of everything it's at the basis of every Critical decision thinking, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. it was funny i was i was listening to a show on um us the other day and it's like this senator was talking about the concept of linear linear thinking and and he said that you know it's it's midterm elections no no politician will be guilty of thinking of linear thinking right <laughs> now so they don't look at the past or anything like that they're just looking at whatever's coming in front of them and i think that's a bad idea because if you're not looking at what's happened and why you've got there and how you got there, and then you, you're basically making decisions in isolation. So, yeah, I think um, it certainly shows what some people can do <laughs> and what people, you know, what the masses won't do in terms of thinking for themselves, essentially, I guess. That's right. I mean, taking responsibility for your life, it sounds like a logical step when you're born mm. and when you're educated. Mm. But, you know, you have to decide whether you're going to be on the back seat of a motorbike mm-hmm. or the front and seat. being driven where perhaps you don't know where you're going to go. I love Tony Robbins has a different metaphor. He says, you know, you're on a a raft and you're heading for Niagara Falls. And at some stage, you've got to make up your mind whether you're just going to go down that (laughs) that flow or whether you are going to jump on board and really do something Mm -hmm. for yourself. So my uh, in the classroom, as well as with families, my first concept is to move away from default Mm. and start to design start to really vision and dream about what you want your life 
to look like. So that's whether I'm working with teachers and I'm trying to get them to uh, encourage students to do that at all ages, mm. or whether it's working with families. So who do you, who's your customer? Who do you who do you actually um, you know who, who pays the bills? <laughs> to date, it's been education, and mm-hmm. um, so schools and groups of teachers and teams of teachers and individual teachers. So I would have done things like standalone seminars, um, long-term consulting over a year, working with several, you know, with a team Mm -hmm. of teachers and educate and leaders, because I think, you know, the leaders, if they're not thinking well, nothing goes well. My new new business that I'm putting in place as Mm -hmm. still under the umbrella of Krigler Education is for parents, a parent course, and that's called Emblaze. Emblaze. So bring light and warmth and love and laughter into your family. And it's pretty much based on, um, I can't reach my book, Roots and Wings, but in Roots and Wings, I see the family as a blacksmith's forgery Mm-hmm. And where they, you know, you are in, in control of designing the kind of family that you want. And so this concept of emblazing a family just seemed to fit really nicely mm-hmm. with all the information that's in my Roots and Wings book for right. family. So how was it uh, in terms of getting into uh, like the schools and stuff like that? I guess because you had some connections and, and some education, it would have been probably a lot easier than most people because I know schools are pretty hard to crack into in terms of... <laughs> you know, getting even, obviously getting through that approval process. So was that something you that was easier for you to do? Yeah, so before I came into my own, before I established Kregler Education, I've been an employee in education all my life. So in South Africa, I was employed by schools. And in Australia and Melbourne, I worked for schools. And then in 2011, I had this wonderful opportunity to go and work um, at independent schools, Victoria. And of course, you have then a nexus with 220 or more schools in the state. And you also start to, you know, work with the department and meet with people who are creating policy for education. And at the time that I went into ISV, It was just when the new national quality framework was coming out for early years. And so my knowledge base was important to try and drive that information into the schools and into the early learning teams. Mm -hmm. So I have been fortunate. But, you know, John, you can't rely on a corporate network. I mean, you know as well as I do, it's not ethical Mm -hmm. to take your contacts from one organization into another so pretty much based on the actual work i've done with people and the relationships i've developed them with them over time it's a situation of creating the new partnerships and new links Mm. so that they understand they're now working with you and your other hat and it's not as easy as Mm. everyone thinks it certainly helps to Mm. know where people are but you still have to you know, bring them on board in terms of your new persona, who you are as this author, spokesperson, new business owner, new solopreneur, um, creating it on the fly and get people to trust you. So, you know, your track record is in corporate, 
mm. and in, in in as an employee, but you've got to build this new track record mm. as someone that they can trust where the buck stops with you. Mm. And it's been a really interesting journey, and I'm up to the challenge. Believe mm. me, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the interesting things was is that so did the book become come before the business did you decide to do a book to get you in, in the front door because that's an interesting thing because a lot of people don't think about that like I've, that's kind of what we talk to a lot of people about you know like they'll get they'll get so far to talk to a guy today like he's got so many books in him he's meaning to do it but he never finishes it and so i think in some cases they actually have that book as part of essentially as as a business around a book right so you basically your books are designed to then prove credibility and get yourself into that into the front door that's quite a smart way to do it. Is it something you happen across or did you just was luck that got you there? I hadn't thought about it that way. And I had written this book and toted it to some publishing houses yeah. Yeah. and being rejected at the door. Mm. So that determined me. Well, in fact, it made me step back a bit and I, I probably left it alone for about three years. And then in COVID, as I mentioned, a Facebook ad came and it just spoke about you taking control of your publishing journey. Mm. And at that stage, I still hadn't conceptualized starting a business. Right. But they did talk about it as being a good business card, mm. giving you credibility. And then they also spoke about this next step of creating the author platform and then learning skills, learning coaching skills, learning a whole bunch of other skills, which I've slowly been piecing together. Mm. And it takes time, as you yeah. would uh, imagine. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's all very well saying you're going to be on social, you're going to be on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you're going to do this, YouTube, etc. But it's step by step. And then trying to work out what really, really works for you. But LinkedIn has been fantastic for me. So a lot of my contacts, yeah, yeah. both in Australia and internationally, actually, so I'm much more globally connected than yeah. I was yeah. as an employee. <laughs> you don't realize sometimes. Much I'm... more, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the... So, you know, with teachers yeah. in India and with teachers in Africa and teachers in Asia and teachers in Ukraine, people I would never have come mm. across if I hadn't started this yeah. and, you know, built the author platform that I have up to now. But it's by no means finished. The pieces of the puzzle are aligning. Mm. And, you know, my strong my strong dream now is for this parenting business to take off because I think parents can really, really benefit mm. from understanding their dynamics. Do you want simple and effective ways to get started that don't cost a fortune in time and money? Discover the best steps for each strategy we teach and the most important areas to focus on, and even to connect with your best customers and grow an online community. Grab your free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at startupsecrets.show. I think the thing is too with, with education is that it, you know some parents seem to think, oh, it's the, it's the government's job to teach them or whatever, I won't have to do it, but get involved in it. And I think that's a dangerous thing to get because at the end of the day, then they've got no idea what's going on. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're part of the journey, at least you've got something, you know, to talk about at home as well. But I think that that's the challenge is that, you know, education can be a tricky thing and they can fall through the Well, crack. yep, I'm in the book. So Root and Wings, Roots to Thrive and Wings to Fly. Right. And the Roots to Thrive, I see the parents as primary educators, mm -hmm. primary and they take responsibility, because, right? They need to take responsibility yes. for their kid. They brought them in the world, right? <laughs> That's correct. And I think this is where a lot of parents don't 
embrace the power they have mm. to put their children on a different trajectory mm. so that they can co-regulate their families. Mm. Um, so as the primary educator, you become totally aware that everything you're doing in the family is having an impact. Mm. Everything you're doing as an educator, same thing. It's having an impact mm. immediately because Don't children... Don't sometimes. <laughs> Yes, but they'll be imitating. So mm. it can be that you're impacting for them to get a whole bunch of negative habits. Yes. But if we're more conscious and mm. we accept this power that we have, then we become much more aware of putting in place those things that that put the children on a very positive life track. Mm. Sounds interesting. So mm. um, I guess it's probably a more topical question than most. So I'll often ask guests, what, you know, if they were, what would you tell you? You know, younger self if you were had to go back in time what piece of information would you tell them besides the lotto numbers but um you know at the end of the day what would you tell your younger self not to do or to do but will do more of and you know down the track you know i think i was very fortunate that i came out of a family myself mm-hmm. where um you know setting goals advancing yourself having a positive mindset and all these things grew out of my family and I'm not saying that they were perfect Mm, mm, so maybe I would tell myself to take a few more risks earlier Mm. and I might also um, tell myself to build um, look you know there's comfort all around me but I think there was scope for being financially more savvy Mm. and maybe starting a business earlier in life than when you get to my age. Although pretty much, as I've said, uh, it's game. But yeah, maybe taking a few more risks a little bit earlier. Yeah, mm. and it's interesting a lot of people talk about finances too. Is that it's quite funny. In a, and I always reckon every 10 years of your life, your priorities change. And what happened in the previous 10 years doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> and so, and it seems like it happens in a cycle. So as you get older, like you, you become wiser in the fact that you know stuff faster because you've been through the ringer. But... At the end of the day, when you're younger, you kind of think that everything's, you know, the end of the world's going to happen because you do this and nothing happens. <laughs> and you think, well, okay. And so what's really important to you when you're 20 isn't really important to you when you're 40. Um, and so I think that's the, the thing is that I think a lot of people don't take those early risks and, and you know, what the worst can happen, right? That's right. And I mean, I would I would tell all young, although I'll tell you what, young people these days are so savvy. Mm, um, yeah. They're very, they're very savvy, off. but they're not, they're not experienced. So it's almost like they've got this level yeah. of sophisticated knowledge because they, you know, they're Google babies. But at the end of the day, they don't have the the experience. That's the, but at least they know what they're looking for. I mean, they're, they're wiser, I think, for sure. Well, that old statement that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> yeah, it should be the opposite. You should be able to go back and start again, shouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I would encourage them to take the opportunity to work out who they are to build experience across a few you know i love david epstein's book on range mm-hmm. and not not trying to plug yourself in too early my daughter's a vet she's a qualified vet she's been working in it for about three years and she's finding that the industry is under such stress and strain at the moment and she's mm-hmm. getting out mm-hmm. and she might not be out for a long time but i would encourage her to go you know to look at business and to look at, at and learn more because when you come back to it you come back a different person the spiral yeah, right. of learning just yeah. carries on so what it, i think one of the things that i notice a lot is and i think in schools in particular is taught about the concept of you know failure is bad right so you can't fail this test you can't fail this you can't fail that and as soon as you get in real life that 
you know, typically life is all about failure a lot of times because you fail at things that actually sometimes it's better that you fail at it, <laughs> right? Sometimes if you fail a driver's lesson, it means, you know, license you can't drive properly, you're going to kill someone. So, um, you know, what's your thoughts on failure and, and, and you know, how they should approach it? Because I think that's the, the one that a lot of people think, oh, I can't fail at this, I can't, you know, what people think of me or whatever, that sort of thing. I think that's um, a dangerous kind of thought process in my opinion. Yes, I know. I mean, failure does seem to have negative connotations mm. and there's the fear and it's a fear of change often mm. so mm. if you failed often it means you've gone out of your comfort zone and you're one of those people who is trying something mm. new you're putting yourself out there and it's not always easy and not everybody can do it and you can tell people failure is part of it mm. but they're not going to easily believe you until mm. they've put themselves out there had some failure and managed to come back on track yeah. and then advance on that track. And I know in your history, I read, you know, there's there's an area or a time in your life when things weren't going magnificently, but you didn't give up. You then diverged, you diversified, yeah. you retrained. And I think a lot of the time with, you know, you can't just accept, oh, I failed. You have to then evaluate why yeah. you failed. And the beautiful Tony Robbins, I love him again, he will say, you know, look at success that leaves clues, mm. leaves clues. Mm. So if you failed, have a look around you to see where someone succeeded mm. and look for the clues. Why did they do that and you didn't do that this time? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, you always get a do-over. Like you can always have another stab at something. And um, I think and that's the thing about it is it's it's just a learning curve. In fact, I think I learn more out of failure often than over success because you don't pay attention to success so much. And, and I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people are like, well, you failed at something, but maybe you didn't fail it. Maybe you meant to fail at it um, in that situation. So the next bit comes along. So for me, one of the nice things about when I had a business where basically I didn't own it, I didn't own the rights to it, I didn't own the brand, and ultimately I failed, but not because of me, because the outside forces wanted to take it back from me. So I, had to, I failed at fighting them off. Ultimately, it was a seven-year war. But what I learned from that was I realized that actually was a good, they did me a favor. If I'd gone through that seven-year period the other way, I would have come out the other end far worse as in risk because I, they would have owned me. I wouldn't have had any way out of that. Yeah. So, so you come out stronger. You learn the lessons. You learn mm -hmm. new stuff. So for me, it's all about if you're not growing, if you're not learning, and if you're not trying things, mm. you know. So will I say, you know, Kriegler Education is wildly successful at the moment. At the moment, I've spent a lot on the new learning and the new training and the new um, coaching that I need to get myself to that next level. But if I don't invest that, if I don't do that, if I don't take the risk, then, you know, me amongst all the other entrepreneurial spirits in the world, we won't get to that next stage. That's exactly right. In some respects, you're, you're training the, the new employees or the new entrepreneurs for the next generation um, so, you know, you want them to have some skill sets to start. And I think it's really topical right now. Like, I mean, I think that the nice thing about the pandemic is it made people look at stuff a different way and re and, and revisit things that they probably ignored. So I think it's a good good um, sort of, you know, way of saying, okay, well, hang on a minute. We now put this big light on something that everybody was managing to cover up before because it was easy, but now you can't. You know, you've got to do something about it. And I think education is probably the one that, I think they said that, you know, it's still really mostly in the dark ages, really, when they think about the way they do it. 
um, because nothing's much changed in you know hundred years. So that's right, and I mean, but that's in education institutions. Mm. For me, you need to look at it in a different way, in that everything is accessible and mm. at your fingertips. Mm. If you just decide, oh, I'm going to rely on my kids' school to give them whatever, or if I'm going to rely on something else to teach them what they need to know, then you are going to get mired down in what's available in mm -hmm. there. But the whole internet has exploded mm. knowledge and there's nothing you can't find if you're willing to do it. Um, my my kids have been remarkable. So my son um, is a businessman, but at some point he wanted to build a computer. So mm. what did he do? He went on YouTube, he ordered the parts from Poland, and the next thing I've got this amazing blue beast with flashing lights and all kinds of hundreds of components that have been put we in. We went through that process with my son, actually, because he wanted to do the same thing. Lucky I built computers in a former life, so it wasn't so bad. But even then we had to Google a lot of stuff. And yeah, but you can do it, like, you know, you can work it out. That's right. They just need to know what they want. Mm. And I think a lot of the time that's the issue is people haven't truly evaluated what they want and where they're going. Mm. Mm. Um, so, you know, yes, there are some some old factory style education places around, although it is evolving and changing very fast. Mm. But anybody who's interested in learning, mm. you know, you have to have the motivation within yourself mm. and you have to help your kids to develop that. Mm. Not see the you know education journey as something that's too hard mm. to do. Mm. Yeah, mm. true. I mean, at the end of the day, after you've left school, you know what you learn at school is pretty much gone in the first year. It's, it's the skill sets and the life skills you got out of that is, is going to see you through, and the ability to learn how to learn, right? Well, I mean, that's right. I mean, doctors themselves, qualified doctors, specialists, mm. their knowledge, the half life of their knowledge has reduced so much. Mm. because it changes so fast it's hard to keep up yeah that's part yeah, of the so what, what you have to understand as a learner is mm. you've got to just keep your fingers on the pulse and keep mm. going yeah it's a responsibility so um so who's your best customer like if if, if someone was listening to the podcast and says you know they wanted to do more with you what, what who's your main kind of customer approach in terms of who you're looking for all right so there's two so the one would be um a team of teachers looking to change how they approach their curriculum and bringing in some really creative and interesting methodologies into that and designing a curricula within frameworks. I'm not about creating new frameworks, but making them creative. So that's the one side is schools and teachers can contact me. Yep. Then parents, interesting, wanting to change the dynamics of their families. Same website. You can go to www kriegler-education.com and if you look under consulting there will be consulting for educators and consulting for parents there's the emblaze parent academy and you can give me a call and i work from there to see what it is that you would like what building blocks you want to put in place to reach a goal 
because really a goal is just a dream with a timeline, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. And we'll put up the links on the in the, um, in the episode as well for people. So Thank you. That'll be great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Or something like that. I can't Google. <laughs> Google's a skill, right? I think at the end of oh. the it's actually you yep. can learn, it's a learned skill. It should actually be taught at school how to Google. Um, so I really appreciate you coming along. I think it's it's an interesting topic, and and to see you sort of take that and start that business up at a you know a time that's challenging, I think is, is good because it means that you know you get through that sort of scenario. It's much easier at the other end of it because at one point there you couldn't go and see anybody, right? So at least you sort of got that built that strength to go out there, and now you can just operate as a, a normal business in most respects. So. It's good to see. Well, that. yes, and thank you very, very much for having me on the show. And um, it's you know, I, I love how you talk about business. Is you know, you can have your dream and vision, and mm. you can have it, but really, until you put a plan in place. Mm. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Is steps, <laughs> the steps of my plan. plan. <laughs> but for that, you need some clients. So if anybody wants to work with me, I'm right here waiting. Cool. No worries. Ready to go. <laughs> cool. So really appreciate it. You know, maybe we'll come back and, and, and look at your business and then again another time see how it's going. That'll be great. Thank you very much, John. Cool. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernors. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.